Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker all the way... I actually don't know where you are. Uh, it's Christian Taylor, by the way. Christian, where are you? I am in Laurel, Mississippi. So. Uh, see... I knew there was an L in there. I was, so I was going to say Louisiana. I'm like, no, no, it's not Louisiana. It's well, Alabama. Uh, no. Deep South. I'm actually in the home of my grandparents. Oh, and so okay. um, my grandparents lived in this home. And now my father lives in this home. Uh, this home has been in our family, I don't know, 50 years now. Um, so, or more probably. Um, yeah, definitely more. So, so yeah, I'm in Laurel, Mississippi, and we'll find out why as you start to ask more questions. Okay, before we find out about why Laurel, Mississippi, I missed last week. We were on an epic road trip, which I documented and made it movie themed. I loved it. Every I think I've talked to so many people who loved your Instagram and tweets. But by the way, we're skipping by our trusty, dusty research guy, button pushing guy, no, extraordinaire, Jason Rowe. I, I totally, I'm just ignoring him today. I'm just, which, he, which is fair. I, I deserve that. He, he dissed me earlier. So <laughs> I thought I was running the podcast, Christian. All uh, right. All right. I just it, don't it want tell to you Jason. a lot about me that I don't even remember what, what I dissed Josh for or that I, <laughs> that I <dissed> <laughs> there was nothing. There was nothing. No, no. All right, of let's course, jump right with in. Us, with, as always, yeah, is Jason Rugg. Thank you for hey being there. here, Jason. Okay, got that out of the way. Um, I wasn't here last week because I was on this road trip with my family, South Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado. Went to some all the great places you can go to out there, like Devil's Tower, Mount Rushmore, the Rockies. So I missed the podcast, but I heard something about a potential accidental crime Christian committed or potentially committed. Can you update us on that, please? I will absolutely update you on that. However, you've piqued my curiosity and I would love for our listeners to understand more. You had briefly said um, before I so rudely interrupted um, that you had made your posts movie themed. So in case people want to go back and research your Instagram and your Twitter posts from your vacation, why don't you talk a little bit about, um, about what you were doing there? Well, on Twitter, you can go, I think it's JQ Lindsay uh, is my Twitter handle. I don't know how you find my Instagram. Just look at my name, I suppose. But we took a family road trip. My wife, Angie, planned it. She's That's her hobby is planning trips. And she decided, we did a bunch of national parks last year. So we decided to do it again this year. We we hit all these places and then we arrive in our final destination, Estes park in you know, right next to Rocky, Colorado. Yeah. The, the Rocky mountain national park across the street from our lodge It was called discovery lodge. This was uh, much to my children's uh, dismay. We stayed at the lodge, not the Stanley hotel, which was across the street, which is this hundred year old hotel that was also featured in the movie, the shining, and dumb and dumber. So we went over there, took a tour right away. The kids are like, Oh, we got to stay here. And you know, I'm all about saving money and we don't need to stay in this fancy hotel. However, it was in a bunch of movies. And so I was on board too. 
unfortunately they were booked and we couldn't stay there. Uh, right. But so I wanted to post some pictures and I mentioned this, you know, that it was in these movies and I thought, well, wait a second, I'm going to just make a whole like week long post of where we visited and all the movies that were filmed there. And the next obvious one was devil's tower, which is close encounters of a third kind. Uh, we visited Deadwood, which is, you know, there's Deadwood, the movie and the series. Uh, and then all these other great places. So it was a lot of fun. It was not a movie themed trip. I just promoted it as such. <laughs> well, it made it very interesting to follow you and maybe that will inspire some others to actually take a movie themed trip. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Sure. All right. So you want to hear about my potential criminal activity? Well, um, this is just a quick recap because if you listen to our podcast every week, uh, you will have heard last week about what happened with, um, well, with our certificate of good standing for Normandy project. So Josh, um, I wanted to apply for this relief grant DuPage, which was a grant that DuPage County has um, up to $50,000 for small businesses located in DuPage County. And so I filled out the application and then I needed to upload proof papers to show that we had lost money during the pandemic. And one of the papers was a certificate of good standing. And so I had to uh, go to Delaware, which is where we incorporated to get the certificate of good standing. When I went there, I realized we were not in good standing because mm -hmm. my lawyer was the one that was receiving the emails um, to pay our taxes and any registered agent fees. And he never forwarded those on to me. Uh, so I had no idea that I was needing to pay things to them. Um, because of that, we were three years, um, we were three years delinquent. And so um, we had to pay a lot of back fees and taxes to the tune of $3,000, uh, which was devastating because we had, you know, been saving that just for things um, in, that came up. Uh, we did have it in the account, but I, uh, you know, paid it off and I thought I was done. I got the certificate of good standing. Then I had to take it to Illinois where we've actually been operating for three years. And I had to give them that and try to get a certificate of good standing from the state of Illinois. When I did that, I realized I was not in the good standing in the state of Illinois either mm. um, because my attorney neglected to file the proper paperwork so that we could operate legally in the state of Illinois. You know, I'm not sure I can be part of this organization anymore. It sounds a little shady. You also <laughs> need to fire your lawyer, by the way. <laughs> well, honestly, um, my lawyer has been in our family. For, he's my <laughs> hunter's godson. So he's been in our family for quite a while. Um, and I, I just think there were honest mistakes and that happens. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm not mad about it. We did. Oh, well, hello. I'll get it. I'll I'm get it. getting a FaceTime call from Hunter. I'm so sorry. Um, so anyway, he's a good friend of our families and we uh, we've kind of worked this out. But long story short, when I went to get the certificate of good standing in Illinois and I told them that, you know, we'd been operating there for three years, I had to pay back penalties, back taxes, um, you know, just different sort of fees to the tune of $7,000. Oh my gosh. Which I did not have. And so I had to charge that. Um, the good news is they were very helpful in the 
Secretary of State's office, I was able to get papers right away and I was able to submit the application for the relief grant to Page. Um, if I receive that grant, that will be very helpful because, um, you know, it will be very helpful. Um, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, how much, that's how much is the grant for? Uh, $50,000. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Um, so anyway, that's just to, just to clarify in good standing, you mean like the business is in yeah. good standing? Okay. Yes. So the business has to, you know, oftentimes when you are applying for grants or things like that, you will need a certificate of good standing uh, okay. um, that shows that you have paid all of your taxes and, you know, you've done everything that you need to do in order to Got apply it. for the grants or whatever. Okay. So. Anyway, that's what you missed with that. We haven't heard. I was hoping that they would review the case over the week. Um, I did not hear anything. So as of right now, I do not know if we are, um, you know, if we've met the burden of proof that shows we deserve the grant, forget having a loss during the pandemic. We shall see. So there's that. Um, yeah. Any other questions? Uh, no, I, these things just stress me out though. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just asking you, please don't quit. I know, honestly, <laughs> it, it wasn't my fault and I have rectified it as challenging as it was. Um, and I'm, I was so thankful. This is how God, I believe, has worked continuously um, with me through this project, you know, in terms of not knowing what I don't know and running into bumping into problems. Um, shortly after that happened, I got a... Um, a letter, an email from Bob and Janie Miller, who have been executive producers and have supported us from the very beginning, um, telling me that they had sent a donation uh, and checking to see if I had received it. And I hadn't gotten that um, notification, but it was, it was enough to really blow me away. Not enough to cover all of those fees, but it didn't matter. It was the fact mm -hmm. that you know, out of the blue, somebody who's been supporting us from the beginning thought about us and was generous with us. And um, it gave me hope that um, it's going to be okay. And I just, I can't, I'm, I'm so grateful to them. And when talking with them over the phone, I called to thank them. We realized, I, I explained all of this to them and, and told them how they were such a blessing to me. And I felt like they were just an answer to prayer. And Bob is a businessman. He's retired. And he, he just said, Christian, can I just ask you some questions? And he asked me some business probing questions um, to which I had answers to, but they were so great. Um, and it meant so much to me that they are not just helping financially, but also wanting to get their hands dirty on the business part of it. And one thing that we talked about was um, them coming on uh, to be part of the Brave Dutch team. And the great thing about that was, you know, if Virgil Films does go and is able to get the financing for the Brave Dutch, we won't necessarily need them to help us financially, but I really do need help um, you know, in other ways, particularly with the business. And, and he said, you know, Christian, I know you're going to have to set up an LLC for the Brave Dutch when it comes time to do that. I would like to encourage you to form a board 
um, for that so that you would have support going through this process. And I knew that you needed that for a nonprofit. I hadn't thought about that in terms of, you know, having the board for the LLC. And I said, you know what, you are exactly right, Bob. I'm so thankful that you said that to me. Would you mind being president of that board? <laughs> and uh, he said, yes. So I was just so thankful. Um, I was just so thankful for that. So Janie Miller, uh, they listen to the podcast. I just want to say you are an answer to prayer, a blessing from God. And I uh, thank you so much for coming along with me on this journey, always having my back and being willing to, to go where the adventure leads us next. So, so anyway, that was a blessing. Um, and we'll see what happens with that grant. So any other questions? Uh, no, but I, I think two things come to mind. One, uh, you know, better be careful what you ask because otherwise someone's going to put you in charge for one, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, number two, it, it just reminded me early in my business, I was really struggling and I was, I was really praying for a sign, you know, am I supposed to be doing this because this seems really hard and I just need to know I should keep going or not. And I mean, within a matter of day or two, someone reached out to me and I was looking for someone to partner with me in the business. And, and it was exactly what I was looking for to a T and I couldn't believe it. Like it just, he just showed up and we met and everything he said was like, Oh my gosh, I, I've been like praying for this. The funny thing is, is this guy did, I mean, he was worthless. He did nothing. <laughs> um, but it, 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 it gave me enough courage to go another week that I just kept going, right? You know, and so sure. fast, fast forward, you know, 18 years later, whatever it was, here we are, you know, so I'm glad I didn't quit, but, uh, but it's just funny, you know, like you, you just need to keep moving. And sometimes you just need that little ray of sunlight coming in and, you know, whether they gave you a ton of money or a little bit of money, it was encouraging, right? You know, so it was so encouraging and it really wasn't the money. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the amount of money. It was that, um, I mean, again, we've talked about this a million times. My faith keeps me grounded. Um, and I think that would be my advice to anybody um, in the filmmaking business. You have to have something that anchors you. Uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on the podcast. But for me, it is my faith and my family. And that keeps me grounded when times get tough, when troubles happen. Uh, I throw friends in there as well. I mean, you guys are incredible friends. Uh, today, I needed um, a ride for my son in Illinois to go and pick up a car. And um, I was able to call Josh and say, Josh, is there anybody in your family who could help my son out? And, you know, his wife, Angie, who's my assistant back there, um, went and picked him up and took him to get his car. So, you know, having those deep, good relationships of friends and family and having faith uh, that roots you. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, I'm a Christian, but I do believe that, you know, whether you're Jewish or Muslim or Hindu, um, you know, a faith and a grounding in something bigger than yourself um, is always incredibly important. So maybe that's a good way to transition or a good point to transition. We're going to talk about work-life balance you know, you're not in Chicago working on the film right now, you're doing other things. So you had work-life balance on your mind. So maybe as a filmmaker, a mom, a wife, how, how have you, is there such thing as work-life balance? <laughs> 
Well, it's constantly in flux and I'm constantly looking at it. I have had it a lot on my mind this week and I'm going to be very vulnerable and kind of share with you guys and our listening audience what is happening because it's it's just thrown me for a loop and I I'm not exactly sure I'm in the thick of it now, so I'm not sure uh, what the lessons are. I'm not even sure how to get out of it or how or the impact on my business, but that's why I wanted to talk about it because uh, this is going to happen. So I've been working on this film now, The Girl Who Wore Freedom, for three years. And over the course of these three years, it has been an incredibly challenging time because of all the stuff that happened with the film, yes, but also in my own personal family. And not because anything you know terrible has happened, but life has happened. You know, we've had you know, everything from, you know, sons graduating from school, deciding whether they were or not they were going to go to the military, uh, another one having a problem at school and maybe having to drop out, um, you know, people getting sick. At one point, I counted up how many people had died during the making of the girl who wore freedom, be they grandparents, uncles, cousins, um, you know, spouses, um, and I was very concerned because over the course of the two-year period during that time, so many people had lost someone and it impacted their ability to do the job. They were out for a while. And, and we've also had moves. So, you know, my accountant, Melissa Perkins, moved. My editor, Bill Ebel, has moved. Uh, our um, our editor, Sam King, has moved. And that's all really in the last six months, those things. Well, those impacted and affected our ability as a team to get work done. Uh, they would be off two weeks, a month, whatever. Uh, same true here with a podcast. Josh has had to travel. Jason's had to travel. You know, um, we have to be very, very flexible with, um, you know, with the work product. So what happened two weeks ago, um, I don't even remember. It's all a blur to me. I don't even know if I talked about this, but my father, uh, who is 77, came to visit me in Chicago and I haven't seen him since before the pandemic. He came to visit me in Chicago. We were so excited. The first day was wonderful, uh, but I could tell something was not quite right. And the next day, within about three or four hours, I could tell there were serious, serious problems. And he is losing his short-term memory. And not only that, there are other deeper confusions and things like that that were happening. And I saw it as he was trying to travel to me. He couldn't even really get through the airport. I had to find him ways to be assisted and stuff like that. Um, and I became increasingly concerned about his health and knew right away early on, he was not gonna be able to fly home by himself. I was gonna have to fly him home. But in the course of him being there over the week, I learned that he had been um, the victim of many scams. He had fallen a scam to the credit card scam where send us these credit cards now and we'll send you all this money later. He, he had fallen um, prey to Publishers Clearinghouse. Uh, they get you addicted by the app. You play gambling games. They tell you to buy things. You think it's going to increase your chances of winning prizes. Um, 
And over the last two or three years, he spent thousands of dollars on, you know, pruning shears and, you know, who knows what else that he will never use. And they're sitting in boxes all under his bed or in a cabinet. He's forgotten even what he's ordered. Um, you know, he's, there's just, a, he's just been scammed up one side and down the other to a tune of thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, that was an, an urgent thing that I had to take care of right away. So I came down with him and have been in the process of setting his affairs in order. And I've got to take him to get some memory care evaluation. I've got to figure out his finances. We're going to have to move him into a place where he can get help. Um, this was not on my radar at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. What was on my radar is that my son from Germany, who's in the Army in Germany, was coming home to visit for a little while. My other son, Josh, was going to be going to college on August 21st, and I had to get him ready for college. And at the same time, I was starting to do planning for my pre-production trip for the Brave Dutch in Holland in September. So, and wrapping up things with the girl who wore freedom. So all of a sudden, all of these plans, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? All of these plans are now just upside down. And I can't see past tomorrow, really, because every day there's a new revelation of something with my dad. And I have been thinking about this, you know, how, how am I going to balance now going forward, overseeing my father's care, overseeing, you know, stuff with my children. And of course, you know, before all this, we decided to do, you know, a major renovation in our house on the basement and on the second floor. And so I'm trying to manage a son going to college, a renovation in my home, uh, the girl who wore freedom, the brave Dutch, and now I've got my dad. So it's very difficult to think about how in the world can you juggle all that and be sane and um, keep all those balls in the air. I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is I have to come back to the things that I know are absolutely true for me that keep me centered. And that is my faith and it is my family. It is my friends. And in my priorities, um, I spend a lot of time ordering them. Work is super important to me. I love these projects. I love what I'm doing. I know they are important, but in the big scheme of things, my mental health is important. Um, you know, my relationships between my husband and my children, my very nuclear family is incredibly important. And, and then it's my extended family, my father, my sisters. Um, and I really do prioritize those when it comes to a time like this over my work. Um, because I could never live with myself if I did it any other way. Now, the reason the faith comes into play is I have to trust that by ordering my priorities in a way that I think honors my family, honors the work, honors myself, um, I do, I'm going to have to trust that the other details for my work will take care of themselves. Um, I've put a good team into place and I am calling on them to help make sure, you know, my budgets and my 
to-do lists are kept current. Uh, one of the things that I have been struggling to do is interact with my Patreon supporters. You know, I need to be doing a weekly video and but Mindy um, Cook, who's been overseeing that, has had a, you know, a work project that consumed her for two weeks. And so we got thrown off on that thing. So in my world, I've chosen as a leader of this company, um, I've said family is first. And it doesn't, whether, doesn't matter whether it's my family or someone else's on my staff, family is first. And if people are having issues with moving or with their own parents or with a death in the family, um, I've always said, you take your time, you do what you need. The, the details will work themselves out. And a lot of people have said that they've really appreciated that approach on our team. It's given them the freedom to do what they need to do. Um, and now I'm in the same boat with myself. And so I'm going to kind of have to give that lecture back to myself and ask people on our team to be a little patient with me. So, so there you have it. I think no matter what, no matter what, people have to figure out what their priorities are, what grounds them, and trust those to see you through when the storms of life, which inevitably come, come. I think, you know, in terms of having a business and you mentioned having, well, actually, I don't know if you mentioned, did you mention mission? Like a, I didn't miss mention mission, but please well, let's talk about that. Well, you just kind of highlighted it a little bit when you're, you know, when you were saying like families first and, and, uh, and it's not just my family, it's, you know, my teammates, family, that kind of stuff where it's, <clears throat> So there was a study, you know, with kids that if, if you had a conversation with a kid about, Hey, if you're offered drugs at a party, let's say, what are you going to say? And when kids say, well, I'm going to say no, if that conversation happens, then those kids who actually, you know, say no to drugs actually goes up versus kids who never had that conversation. No one presented the idea to them. And then they're offered drugs, um, they tend to accept the drugs, those numbers go up, right? So the point is, is those who had that, who made the decision prior, like, I'm not going to do drugs, it doesn't mean they all avoided it. It just means more of them did because they made that decision in advance, not on the spot. So if you apply that to a business, let's say, <clears throat> if you don't know in advance, you know, what your priorities are, what your, your vision and mission are, and then you just handle things as they come, then you're going to, uh, your priorities are out of whack and you're just, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the urgent stuff, not necessarily the important stuff, right? And so family falls to the wayside and, and uh, or your own health or whatever it might be, right? You know, and so knowing in advance that, you know, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to make. But as a company, these are our priorities. This is our vision. This is our mission. So that when a storm comes, when something unexpected happens, you can hold it up to the mirror, you know, compare it to the vision or the mission or whatever it is, your priorities and say, well, how does this align? And based on the decisions you made in advance, like, well, this is not a priority. So I got to set that to the side. Right. Um, so in your case with your father, for example, it's like, it's not a question, you know, like, 
do I put the, you know, work on the back burner or whatever? It's like, no, I gotta take care of my dad right now. And, and, and maybe you could do both, you know, maybe you can do both, but you got to figure that out. So, but you had to know in advance that that, that was your priority. Yeah, I did. And that's called into, that's called into question. And honestly, it's not that clear. Sometimes I remember when I was in the middle of, um, I'd gotten back from principal photography. We were in post-production, things were, the timeline was very tight getting to Normandy to screen there. And it was a stressful, stressful time in my personal family. And I remember my husband saying to me, you are going to disappoint me. You are going to hurt me. That is going to happen. Your job right now is all consuming. You have prioritized that over everyone. And at that time, it felt very, very awful because at that time, I had gone all the way through the process. I had, I was almost at the finish line. I had all these people that had donated money to the project. I had all the people in France that I promised I was going to bring the film over for D-Day of, you know, this was 2019. Um, And I was so close to finishing. And during that time, if you've been in post-production before, you know, it's almost a 24 seven job. Like, I mean, I would dream about the things I needed to do the next day. I would go to bed with them on my mind. I would wake up with them on my mind. It was at that time, I have to be honest and say, I had to make a choice for a, for a infinite amount of time. I'm sorry, a finite amount of time to set those priorities aside momentarily to get that project done. And and in that, that was the crucible for me because it is very clear for me that family does come first and my priorities have always been set like that. But it was very confusing because during that time, if I would have kept those priorities exactly like that, the cost of what I owed to everyone else would have been too great. And I had to hurt and disappoint my family. Um, that was excruciating. It was very, very painful. And I had to get okay with disappointing people and letting them down. And that's hard for me as a people pleaser. I'm a two, if you know the Enneagram, I'm a people pleaser. And I do not like people to be disappointed in me at all. And so there was an element of being, um, there was an element of being, you know, uncomfortable and upset that I had to be okay within myself and I had to be okay with it, seeing it in the faces of my family. Thankfully, I have a loving husband. I have loving children who, and they were just as committed to this film as I was. And that goes back to the very first time I had a conversation with my family. I've talked about this before on this podcast. We all had to have buy-in from the beginning. I said to them, this is going to be excruciating for our family. This is going to be the most difficult thing we've ever been through as a family. And I cannot do it unless we are all on board together. And so I I knew in the back of my mind what the cost was, but they had never been through production before of a film. 
So they didn't know. They could only agree up front, we agree we're going to do this as a family. Um, so when those tough times came, we stood on that agreement. Um, in this situation with my father, uh, where I am with the project, I'm sort of in between the girl over freedom. I'm sort of in between, you know, that and the brave Dutch. Um, I do have people in place. Things are kind of able to sustain themselves a little bit. I have a window of time where I can help my dad. And it's a good thing because my dad is at the, I'm so sorry. My dad is at the end of his life. He's in the fourth quarter. I'm the oldest child. There isn't anybody else that can help him. And he's in trouble. And I'm looking at my work and I'm looking at all of these things. And I know that this is what I'm supposed to do as a daughter. Um, and I know that I couldn't live with myself if I didn't prioritize my father at the moment. Mm -hmm. That that too is a painful choice. It's It reminds me very much of that situation that I was in during that post-production time because I'm disappointing people. Right now, my son Josh needs to, me to be home to help him get ready for college. I'm not there, you know? And my husband has the burden of managing a, um, you know, start of a renovation without me. And, um, you know, this is, this is excruciating. And I think as a filmmaker, sometimes you have to make those difficult decisions. And it's very important that you have a good sense of what your own priorities and values are at each juncture uh, so that you, like you said, don't have to make them on the spot. The other thing to keep in mind too, and I'm sorry about your dad, Christian, um, is, you know, when we say things like work-life balance, we have this assumption that like, we just think of it like in the time frame and make it like a day or a week, you know, we're like, you know, we have equal amount of time today with, for work and equal amount of time for family and equal amount of time for, for myself or whatever. And, and really it's more like seasons, if you will, if you got to step back and there's a bigger picture of like, I mean, like you, you couldn't do movies just boom, 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 you know, one after the other uh, at the same pace you, you did girl who wore freedom and expect to, you know, maintain a family and, you know, health and things like that, you know, and, and so there, there's just seasons, you know, so there's, uh, and you can prioritize things during those seasons. Cause you're right. There are going to be times where you just, you know, you're going to miss, uh, you know, you're going to miss your kid's baseball game. You're going to miss prepping for college. You're going to miss whatever, uh, you, you can't be there for everything because things come up, right. You know, whether it's work or your, your dad or whatever it might be. And so, um, on a personal note, I mean, come on, Christian, like it's your dad, you know, I, I think, you know, you're, you are where you're supposed to be and people know that, you know, like it doesn't make it easier necessarily, but uh, there, there's no question, you know, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, Josh, honestly, I'm going to be upfront with you. Uh, I hope you don't mind this, but I mean, you've just gone through a very similar thing with your own mom and I've mom and dad mom and dad. And I've just watched that process from afar and watching you navigate that yourself. Um, in, in some of the advice that you've given me, um, 
has been hugely helpful. It's been, you know, very, very helpful. And A, I didn't feel like I'm alone. And, you know, B, some of the things that you have said have been helpful. They've come back to me. And it's even funny. It's, you know, uh, there's a time, Jason, I don't know if you know about this, but I had tweeted about all of the t-shirts in my house. We were cleaning out the basement uh, in order to, you know, to get ready for this renovation. And I tweeted like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? All of these t-shirts are here. My husband just wants to give them all away. I want to make blankets out of them, which (laughs) and Josh, Josh texted me privately. And he's like, look at all of this stuff I'm having to deal with, you know, at my mom's house. Um, Sometimes it's just better to get rid of it all and not carry that baggage. And even that, you know, that little text and that perspective um, was helpful to me. And that's where, you know, we come back to how important friends are in this process um, because they can help each other. And Jason, you know, I was thinking about this. You too have been shouldering responsibility for your grandmother. I mean, you'll often say, nope, I can't be here today. I've got to take my grandmother to the eye doctor. Um, I mean, talk about that for you. Yeah. How did your priors get so out of whack, Jason? Go ahead and talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is, is you know, the top of the, the pyramid. Uh, no, uh, it's it, it's kind of funny. Um, I've talked with my grandmother about this and her uh, eye started to go bad. She has one good eye. The other eye has been uh, taken by macular degeneration, um, which is effectively you lose your vision from the middle out. And mm. so you end up with like a donut of vision in one eye if you get to keep any. Uh, and so macular degeneration took that one eye years ago and it started on this eye exactly as the pandemic started the same week that the pandemic lockdowns hit wow. uh, Chicagoland. Uh, she had this. So we were like going into eye doctors clinics before we even like masks still weren't a thing. You know, it was just a very weird, like, all right, it's an emergency, get her in. And so um, it's become a, at least twice a month uh, thing where it's half a day um, taking her in for shots in the eye and just checking in on her eye and mm. all sorts of things. So, and that became part of my job because I, you know, I work from home and I can, I can do that and no one else in the family could. So that's, yeah, it, it's just, I have to schedule around that because that is what needs to be done and I'm, I'm happy to do it, but it is definitely uh, an obstacle sometimes. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, we all want to know uh, that we've been faithful to do what is right. And that what is right is different for different people. Um, But for me, it means doing what is right in light of what I believe with my faith, um, in light of, you know, what I believe about family and what I believe about work. Um, So, so yeah, well, we're running short on time. I'm so sorry that I took up so much time and we're running behind. But let's uh, let's wrap up real quickly. You mentioned you just did an interview with a movie critic uh, that people can listen to. It's coming out soon. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm so excited about this. I just want to give a really a big shout out to Lindsay Dunn. Lindsay is a librarian, but she's also a film critic. She's a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. She's uh, sort of getting her career going, and she uh, is the owner of one of my stories. One of my stories is her website, and you can go there and learn um 
more about Lindsay Dunn. She's a contributor contributor at Elements of Madness, and uh, she wrote a wonderful um, review of the Girl Who Wore Freedom a while back, and then asked if she could interview me and for you know her YouTube page. So we did an interview a little while ago, and it's now finished. It's on YouTube, uh, and there is a link. Um, for it on her website, One of My Stories. So you could look up Lindsay Dunn and her website, One of My Stories. Um, you can go there and see the interview that she and I did together. Um, we will share that on our social media. And um, I think you'll be able to find our review on our website as well. Um, and she was featured on the Movie Proposal podcast discussing the Mitchells versus the Machines with Josh and Jason when Sky was on vacation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, Lindsay's great. You should check I out think, this interview. I think I've heard of that podcast. I'm not sure. <laughs> you think you've heard of the Movie Proposal? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Might have to check it out. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that's what's going on. I'm not sure exactly where I'll be next week, but hopefully we'll be able to do another podcast and we'll have some new news to report. Well, it's an adventure. So, um, but yes, and uh, just as a reminder, where can people go to check out the the movie and give a donation? And thank Patreon? you so much. Uh, TheGirlWhoWoreFreedom.com. Uh, you can go there to watch our trailer, read blogs. Uh, there's just so many things happening there. You can make a donation there. We uh, would love that for sure. Uh, we are still ongoing and, of course, need of funds. You can also join our Patreon. Um, J Jason, if you could, could you tell them how to find us on Patreon? Um, yeah, you can Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Doc First Podcast. Yeah, so join us there. Uh, there's some wonderful uh, little things there. We've been sending out, uh, you know, different things for our little pod our patreon supporters so hopefully they're getting those already awesome okay hey everyone thanks for uh joining us christian for sharing uh, everything that's going on with your family and uh i know it's a, a lot and we'll be praying for you um but uh thank you to our listeners for listening to documentary first where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it yes you can bye everybody Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.